Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your host, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style Here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here alongside the young boy Josh Smith We want to thank you for downloading and listening to another week of Keeping It Strong Style Josh, the numbers don't lie (laughs) And Keeping It Strong Style is getting over Regionally (laughs) (laughs) Uh Regionally, no. We're no, we're nationally, getting, we, internationally. We're international, man. You look at the uh, some of the. We got people listening from overseas and everything. It's we do, crazy. man. It's crazy. The whole Social Suplex Podcast Network is growing. All the shows are getting decent numbers. We're getting international audiences. I mean, we're going to talk about. Uh, obviously, today we're going to talk about Fantastic Mania, but uh, we were sitting in our, in my living room in Strong Style. What is the name of it? Uh, Strong Style Studios. Is it Strong Style Studios or Strong Style Central? What is it? Strong Style Studios. I want to call it the Dojo. <laughs> Strong Style Dojo. <laughs> Yo, but uh, we're like, life is so weird. We're watching a bunch of Mexican wrestlers from this part of the world wrestle in Japan. On tape delay in America, and then like messaging our friend, like a few like I don't know miles down the road about this match that like we're like, dang, this match with freaking like Star Junior is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, crazy. And it's just it's nuts that you guys are out there listening to our podcast, you know, overseas and domestically. I mean, we really appreciate it. We're getting like a lot more downloads than I ever anticipated or thought we would be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild, man. And we just want to thank everybody who's been leaving ratings and reviews. As you know, right now, we have a contest going on. If you leave a rating and review and send it to us, you can email me, jeremy at socialsuplex.com. That's jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y at socialsuplex.com. Email me your rating and review. You'll be entered into our contest contest to win any wrestling t-shirt of your choice so if you are selected as a winner you can choose a shirt from pro wrestling tees wwe shop whatever wrestling shirt you want and we will get it for you content you can get it straight from the new japan store and we will pay the shipping right the extra shipping to get it all the way from no we're not (laughs) just get it off pro wrestling tees guys yeah make it easy for us (laughs) but yeah the contest goes until january 31st so you still have some time to get your ratings and reviews in on apple podcasts or stitcher but yeah do that help us out we help you out are those the two places where we can be listened to? Uh, yes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. You can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Pod, or excuse me, Google Play, 
um, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us now. Pretty soon, we should be up on Spotify as well. So the network is just booming all over the place. We're the Austin Aries of podcasts. Right <laughs> <laughs> We're going over everywhere we go day one. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why they call us the ace of podcasts. You know, we don't we don't put over enough the fact that we're the ace of podcasts. I freaking love that nickname. It's hilarious. Oh, my God. So what are we getting into today? All right. So <laughs> we're going to be covering Fantastica Mania Night 1. Um, by the time this podcast drops, uh, Night 2 and Night 3 would have happened. We're going to cover those on next week's show. So tonight we're just going to be mainly talking about uh, Fantastica Mania Night 1. Joshua, what was your overall thoughts on the show? I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I expected the show to be fun and I expected it to be like very, you know, good because they always are every year. But I mean, they're always kind of like throwaway matches and it's not anything that you really have to see. But uh, it seemed like those guys went out and kind of put out the extra effort this year. And I mean... Hey, if Rich, Rich Ladd is out there listening, this show was made for that guy. Yeah. Nothing but flips and, and no, no selling. selling. <laughs> this, uh, yeah, this card was awesome. Um, even like, I don't know, where do you want to start? You want to start the yeah, top? Let's start, you start uh, the bottom? Like, well, we'll start from the bottom and work our way up to the top. Started from the bottom, now we're here. <laughs> and uh, I have to admit, this is my first time watching Fantastica Mania. Um, so. Was it your first time watching CMLL? Pretty much, I mean, I've seen these CMLL guys in New Japan before and Ring of Honor shows, but I've never watched a full CMLL show or Fantastica Mania, so... Yeah, we're going to mess up and start doing a CMLL podcast. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Keeping it Lucha style. (laughs) Yeah. The Lucha Libre Express. <laughs> I get to name if yo, I get to name the next podcast. We have another one after this that's Lucha Base. I'm gonna name it. Okay. Something dope. I don't know what, but Okay, so uh Fantastica Mania night one, January nineteenth, opened up with Fuego versus Akamora. So me tonight me and Jeremy, we were at Wing House. <laughs> and we're sitting there and uh Rich was supposed to come watch the show with us, but he kind of bailed out because he f- said he's feeling sick. Next thing I know, I get a text message. He's like, this Fuego Okamura match is raw. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I know why it's raw, because there's just flips. Flips and no selling. <laughs> but no, uh, um, no, nah, nah, this match was really cool. Um, you know, Fuego came out there looking like uh, Mexican Macho Man Randy Savage riding this, this like, dragon thing, right? dragon, yeah. Puff the Magic Dragon. Now, one thing I will say before we get started uh, kind of reviewing the matches, something that did really deter my interest in the show, and I know it affected you as well, uh, Jeremy, is just the freaking copyrights on the music. Yeah. Apparently, um, all these CMLL guys use, like, you know, all these copyrighted music that, you know, New Japan is not allowed to stream on New Japan World, so we just get these awkward silences for everybody's entrance. Yo, but it's it. we're streaming this on delay. Like, just put in some music, man. Right. At Wrestle Kingdom, they did it. They they looped, They dubbed in music for those who had copyrighted music. So for this show, you think they would do that. Yo. Or they would just use New Japan music. Yo, after Kidani was talking about like how they're, they're making more money now with the new subscribers and everything, they're going to be able to bring in new wrestlers. I'm like, nah, man, just... 
freaking put some music over the the dead spots in these shows. It right. pisses me off to no well, end. Uh, um, Jim Johnston's not doing any work for <laughs> WWE anymore, right? How about uh, New Japan hire him and we get some you know original music that uh, they can use for these guys? That would be great, actually. I'm sure. It'd be really good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, that kept taking me. That was the only like real big complaint. Well, at that and the the freaking officiating all night. Like, well, New Japan's officiating. We've touched on oh it. My God. All time. I'm never gonna stop talking about it until until real change is made. I want my voice to be heard by New <laughs> Japan. Well, hey, we either have uh, good officiating or good wrestling, and I'm I think I'll take the good wrestling over the good officiating. I want both, man. I want both. I don't think we can live in a world where there is both. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, so Fuego and Okamura started. You know, I'm actually... There's some guys on this card that I've seen wrestle at, like, uh, Fantastic Mania shows. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the foremost expert on Lucha. I'm not Dr. Lucha or anything like that. <laughs> I'm not Dave Meltzer watching, you know, Arena Mexico shows every Friday night or anything. But... Um, you know, Akamura is a guy that's from all Japan, I guess, originally, and he's sort of like the resident, like, uh, Japanese talent over there in, in Mexico. And anytime someone comes in from, like, New Japan or, you know, from, from you know, the Far East, they always tag team with him and travel with him. So he's kind of like, that's his role, I guess, similar to sort of like what Funaki would be in WWE at this Got, point. Gotcha. But, um, man, this is a... For like a little six or seven minute match, this was really good. Right. Yeah, it was a solid opener. Um, one of the highlights for me, um, Akamura did a um, running Tower of London out of the corner. I thought that was Oh, pretty... that was really cool. Yeah, the way he just kept running with Adam and just dropped him. Right. Who The Tower of London, is that? that Nigel McGinnis. Yeah. Yeah. When, what, did he do that when he was in uh, Ring, of, Ring Honor. of Honor? Or was that... Uh, what was his other name? Uh, Desmond Wolf. Desmond Wolf. I didn't know that. He did it in both places. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, too, um, Akamura being a real heel out here, getting heat, slapping his wife. Well, the I don't I don't even know who she is. I well, wonder, is uh, she his wife? According to my notes right here, it says <laughs> it says that that's his wife. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, remember back in uh, WCW, who was it that was like the the guy who was always so knowledgeable? Uh, Mike Tenay, the professor? Yeah, Mike Tenay. <laughs> You're like Mike Tenay. Well, according to the research, apparently, guys, back in Mexico. Oh, man. No, yeah, so Fuego uh, kissed uh, Akamura's wife, apparently, and, you know, that, that classic spot. And then he ran up like he was going to gonna uh, attack Fuego attack Fuego and he slaps her yeah she grabbed Fuego to hold him he was gonna attack Fuego he moved him out of the way and he slapped her yo that was the most heelish move and there's some really heelish stuff on this show yeah. and that was the most heelish move of the whole night because that Cork and Hall crowd was like <laughs> like they freaked out man yeah dude um, I, I popped for that for sure that's some, that's, we'll never see something like that in WWE. I, I shouldn't be popping for man-on-woman violence. like. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it looked like it was a work slap. I don't think... No, he hit her hard. Well, I don't know. I'm I don't actually, know. I think, I think it was a work slap. I don't think... I'm really terrible at, like, te- like I don't know. I, I'm, I buy into the gimmick of guys getting hit so much that I never see the thigh slaps or anything right. everyone else seems to see it and I never see it like yeah. I'm like when is it happening I don't know she didn't seem to sell it as if it was a real slap I don't know it looked like he really slapped the I crap out of her <laughs> she was she was selling to me I don't know her face looked red but I, could, I don't know I could just be a mark you know yeah. 
But um, yeah, this was a really, really good, like, solid match. Uh, some of the high spots that they were doing, I mean, all night, obviously, everyone was doing crazy high spots, but that was a really good opener. And what, Akamura beat him with uh, some sort of submission, right? And, uh, no, he did an inverted uh, DDT. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> he did, like, a flip thing. Like, he, like, looked he was going for, like, a scoop slam kind of thing and turned it into an inverted DDT. Yeah, the one thing I really appreciate, I don't know if that's his finisher or not, but one thing I appreciate about these matches and something you see a lot in Mexico is they're not always building to a finish, like a finishing move sequence or anything. Sometimes it's just about the guy getting the upper hand and boom, it's over. And it's over just like that. And that's right. what happened here. Like, this match was getting going. Really good, and then Akamore caught him. Boom, over one, yeah. two, three. So yeah, so that was a nice little opener, seven minute match. Um, then uh, next up on the show, we had um, the Big Cat Memorial match, and it was Dragon Lee, Kawato, Kojima, and Star Junior against Bushi, Rush, Takahashi, and Naito. So. Who who is who like was that Big Cat's family that was in the ring when they first came out? Yeah, so apparently the woman that was in there that's Big Cat's wife. Is it Big Cat or Wild Cat? Or Black Cat? I'm Black Cat. Yeah. Oh man, we're live and everything, and you're messing up, man. You're making me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, like I said, we're we're new to this Lucha Libre stuff. Yeah, uh, actually, I didn't know. I didn't. I've never heard of Black Cat to be honest with you. Yeah, neither have I. Um, and we really didn't even know what was happening until we well, looked at the notes. I could see that they were holding up a memorial picture and all that. You know what I mean? So I knew that it, somebody had passed at you know to some degree. It looks like he passed away in 2006, actually. So it's been a while. <laughs> and okay, so this was like a Hispanic wrestler from Mexico who worked primarily in Japan apparently Okay. and he died of a heart attack back in 2006 but from what I'm seeing here yeah like yeah this was you know it looks like from what I'm reading he was in UWA and AAA New Japan and uh, he even spent time in WCW maybe that's why he sounds familiar yeah and um, there were some comments from um, his wife she um, said that every year she's surprised that it's gotten uh, it's gotten another year longer. This Black Cat Memorial match. She thanks everyone for coming and hopes that next year all the Me- Mexican stars will be back again. Gotcha. So they do this annually then. Yeah. That's nice. That's a little feel good moment there. Definitely. And uh, this match was awesome. Dude, this match was great, hilarious, like. I said something in the group chat where I said I think this is the most fun like Naito's had all year and. Uh, James yeah. being a douchebag was like, man, we're 19 days into the year. What are you talking about? <laughs> Dude, Naito's out there in a hoodie, an LIJ shirt. Top of the match, he jumps the commentator. I want to know who that commentator is and why he attacked him so viciously. Like, yeah. They beat the crap. I think that's one of the worst like beatings I've ever seen a commentator take Like from wrestlers like it was really bad <laughs> yeah yeah dude naito jumps this man and then he, he picks him back up sits him back in the well, announce chair no, no no remember he uh he took one of the young boy's shirts off or maybe it was kawato's shirt and he started choking the dude yeah. straight justin roberts daniel bryan style right and then dragged the man 
and then like put him back. back in his chair, put the headset back on, and then jumped him again. <laughs> no, no, no. Before he jumped him, the dude got pissed. Oh yeah. And, like he tried, up. he fired up. Yeah. yeah. He tried to fire up like he was gonna do something, and Jeremy's like, "This guy a wrestler," and I was like, "I, I don't know." I, I was like, "No," but I don't actually know if that's true. Like, yeah. Could have been. Uh, and then like. The, the dude, like, turned around like he was going to go back to his chair and just Naito jump. <laughs> yeah, dude. Jump zone. <laughs> Speaking of jump zone, Star Jr. got jump zone Yo. majority of this match. Yo, they killed Star Jr. in this dude, match. Dude, Roosh rips Star Jr.'s mask. Roosh was out here stunting on these, like, people. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, he rips the mask and then L.I.J. just... Worked Star Jr. over for the majority of this match. I mean, they really ripped his mask. Like, yeah, like tore it off completely. Like he had to get a new yeah, mask. They had to bring a new mask on and everything. Uh, and I don't know why. Like something about a guy getting his mask ripped off is so like that's disrespectful. Not only that, but like they sell it like they just got beaten to death. But all that happened was their mask got ripped off. Right. But it seems so devastating. Like yeah, it, I mean like, he's trying so hard to cover his face. I mean, dude, <laughs> your mask is like ripped clear off. Like we're see we saw we're seeing your face. Like. Oh, the one point where they where he was on the ground and he had no mask on, and all the Lij members just started stomping him, and then they 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 started miming like they're playing soccer, so they're kicking the ball at each other. <laughs> yeah. And then they did the goal, and they all rushed over like oh. <laughs> Bro, those guys were having, like, the a time blast. of their life, bro. Yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah, this was a really... Of all the multi-man matches, this was probably the best one of the night. Everybody got their stuff in. We saw, like, really great sequences with Bushi and Star Jr. and Dragon Lee. Oh, man, Dra when the Dragon Lee and Takahashi sequences were going, I was like, oh, man, I want to see these guys fight right. forever. And those man. guys have a storied rivalry from... Um, Takahashi's time in CMLL and then that's rolled over into New Japan with Bessel Super Junior and, and Ring of Honor Ring of Honor yeah so it's a long rivalry going there hopefully we'll see a, another one of those matches this Dude, year if if I had my way every year at Fantastic Mania the main event would be Takahashi and Dragon Lee just like run it back Every, every year fight forever fight forever <laughs> let's just do this both these guys both these guys <laughs> Oh my uh, god. Yeah. But yeah, um, some other things like, yo, Roosh was, oh yeah, Roosh and Kojima were just going at it. Yeah. Uh, the sequences, what, what, what does he call his chop? I'm not sure what, what it's called. The machine gun chop? I yeah, don't even that's know. what I, that's what I usually refer to as like the machine gun chops. And it was just awesome. Uh, obviously, the, those guys have another match coming up um, later on in the tour, so they're building on that. But uh, that was awesome. And then, yeah, I mean, Naito didn't really work too much in this match, but he's just running around, like, being a douche heel yeah. to people. Just doing, like, the most douche. I mean, he wore his do. hoodie for, like... The whole match. Yeah, until, like, the very end, he had took it off, and he's kept the shirt on. The one point where Roosh was getting over on uh, Kojima, and then he did the uh, Tranquilo. Yeah. And then Naito's like, oh, I gotta get in there, and he yeah. did it, too. Yeah, and then, like, double Tranquilo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... I just sat there watching this match, and I was smiling, like, laughing about how how fun it was. And I looked over at Jeremy, and I was like, I literally never feel this way watching WWE. Like, never. I was like, I never feel this way. Like, right. it's crazy, like, how fun and entertaining wrestling can be when it's done right. Right, yeah. 
And so, what kind of ended up happening at the end of this match? Like, obviously, it was a cluster, and everyone was fine, right? Right. You know how Lucha... Well, actually, it's Lucha and New Japan. They're multi-man matches. People just come in and out with no tags. Yeah. It's actually a rule in Lucha Libre that you can do that. In New Japan, I don't know what the rule is. People just do whatever they want. Well, the the Lucha-style rule in... in Mexico is that if the legal man leaves the ring, then then anyone else can, from the team can come in, and they'll be the, the first guy comes in will be Don or like deemed the uh, the legal guy. Um, so they weren't really following that rule necessarily. They were yeah. still following tags. That was a little different. Yeah. There's no two out of three falls matches here. Whereas if you watch Arena Mexico or you watch CMLL or AAA, almost all their matches exclusively are. Uh, two out of three falls matches where these were all one falls. So that was very interesting, especially right. since we had some title matches. Um, so, yeah. So coming to the end of this match, um, LIJ isolated the baby faces and Bushi ended up in the ring with Kawato and uh, Bushi locked in the deadly Boston crab <laughs> and turned it into a single leg crab. That and, young boy finish. And uh, Kawato tried his best, but... He had a tap. We sat there watching it, too, and I was like, oh, this is going to be it. And Jeremy's like, no, he's not going to tap. He's like, he's got fighting spirit. Which he, he fired up for a little bit and was fighting towards the rope, but then Bushi transitioned to a single leg crab. And then I was like, I told you, it feels good to be right all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you were on the SMC Wrestling Podcast a couple weeks ago for their Wrestle Kingdom review, and I know Caleb keeps trying to rebrand you as the vigilante and give you a gimmick. <laughs> But if you ever do get a new gimmick besides a young boy, I think it should be like Dr. Uh, Puro or something like that. Because you see, you get all these predictions, you you have the vision. It's my third eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah, yeah so, so Kawato taps out. Kawato, was this his last show? No, 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 no. He's going to be on all the shows. Okay. But, uh, yeah, obviously we've talked about before he's going to CMLL to do his excursion after this. So that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, and then after the match, because there's this ongoing, like, feud, mini feud during this tour, Roosh attacked uh, Kojima. Yeah, he, he hit Kojima's knee with a chair. Yeah. Um, they're going to face each other on Monday's show. Now, if you watched last year, he they did a very similar setup for the match with him and Mystico, and he beat the... Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Atlantis. And uh, he beat the mess out of Atlantis with a chair. So this was like almost like playing into what they did last year. Like, it's the same thing. Yeah. And so I don't know if maybe it's like... Obviously, like, it's L.I.J. and it's Roosh, but, you know, Kojima's kind of filling in that, like, old guard role that Atlantis had last year, right. so. And then also, uh, Naito attacked the announcer again, again after the match. Yo, they they put the boots to that dude. Yeah, Naito and Roosh. And then, yeah, then Roosh did it, and then they kept doing the thing where, like, they'd pull the guy off and be like, calm down, calm down, and then turn around and do it some more, and then they both did it. And then they both turn around and I was like, yo, this guy is dying right now. Yeah, and then dude. they were choking. They're choking him with the uh, freaking chair. Like that guy dude, just got just murdered. it was so great. I was dying. Like yeah, I was dying. Yeah, we were I both was popping like, so hard, yeah, marking we just, out. Yeah, we were just both marking out here in Strong Style Dojo. I thought that that was at, up to that point. I was like, man, this is later in the night. I asked Jeremy, I was like, what do you think the best match of the night has been? And he was like, I think the LIJ multi-man match. And I was like, was it a good match or was it just the match we enjoyed the most because these guys were being such douche heels and like just 
and just having so much fun. You could tell Naito was having a blast. All of them. Takahashi, Bushi, like... Yeah, it was great. And it's always good to see Rush with these guys. I do want to say right now, I really, really hope Rush comes back to New Japan for the G1. Like, I feel like maybe this year he will. I just have this strange feeling talking about catching the vision. Yeah. Yeah, so I I have this prediction based off what we're seeing here, especially with his interactions with Kojima, because Kojima is going to be in the G1 this year again. Yeah. He's the only, like, New Japan dad that's still allowed to be in it. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't know why, because I'd rather see Nagata, but whatever. I don't know. I'm more of a Kojima mark than I am for Nagata. You like Kojima better than than Nagata? Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's the the chops, man. (laughs) You all Japan, Mark. (laughs) But yeah, I really, really, I mean, Roosh is excellent. I don't know. I kind of want to see him and uh, Naito go at it. Oh, that would be interesting if they end up in the same block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk about that more down the road. But uh, mark this day, January 19th, 2018. Roosh is going to be in the G1 this year. I, I can almost guarantee it. All right, next up, we had the team of Atlantis, Drone, Mystico 2, and Boldor Jr. taking on Barbario Cavanario, Puma, Disturbio, and Ultimo Guerrero. So we got the obligatory Ultimo Guerrero comes in with his mask on and pulls it off because he doesn't wrestle with the mask. And, you know, the Japanese crowd goes, ooh. Yeah. And then Volador comes in, and he doesn't wear a mask either, and he does the same thing as, ah. Except they've been doing it every year for, like, since 2013. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yes, yeah, so we got that spot, which is kind of like becoming a tradition on these uh, Fantastic Mania shows. Um, this match was also very good. Uh, I didn't quite enjoy it as the match before. Um, but, I mean, that's just because LIJ's antics are awesome. But for the in-ring action, I mean, these guys, like, Volador and Drone, those are those dudes, bro. And Mystico, oh my Yeah, God. dude. There was a lot of great offense in this match. Um, Josh, you have been hyping up Barbario Cavanario to me. And he did some awesome spots in this match. Yeah, he did that. Uh, that almost, like... I don't know what you want to call it, like uh, arm wrench, like suplex. Yeah. Like capture, like fisherman suplex. It was sick, whatever it was. Um, we didn't really get to see him work in this match. The yeah, way. it was very little. He uh, pulled a sky to hottie and did a worm at one point in the <laughs> match. Um, he's going to be facing off against uh, Voldor Jr. on um, Sunday's show. Yeah. That's going to be for the NWA welterweight. No, the NWA historic welterweight champion, whatever they call it. The World Historic NWA (laughs) Championship. I don't know, man. No, something else that was... titles are crazy. Yeah. Something else very hilarious to me in this match was Atlantis. Like, pretty much any time the babyfaces went for a dive, (laughs) Atlantis was kind of like, nah, bro. (laughs) Yeah, Atlantis is at this point... I mean, he's been at this point for quite a while now, but, like, he can work if he wants to, but, like, he can't do it every night. So, in these multi-man matches, you get very little from him. And, I mean, he looks rough. Like, it's no joke, but... On the big on the big show, when it's time to go, he still can. Until I'm feeling like, who knows, we might we, we might see him pull an Undertaker here in the next uh, anniversary show. Or so, <laughs> or so like if that happens again, 
But uh, yeah, I mean, bro, Mystico and Volador Jr. were doing amazing stuff in this match. Yeah. Um, I don't even know like what to call. I mean, it's just like a bunch of flippy crap. <laughs> Dude, lots of Ranas. There were slingshot Ranas, super Ranas off the top. Drama uh, was really impressive too. I know yeah. he, he's a lower like mid card guy apparently from some of the research I've been trying to do, uh, just so that we could be somewhat you know knowledgeable. Sounds like to know what we're talking about on here. Yeah, so we can be like the Jim Ross equivalent of talking about. Stanford. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, in Ultimo Guerrero and Puma, like, all these heels, they played their part really well. I mean, this match was kind of hectic. I did feel like there it was a little clunky in different parts, but overall, I mean, like, especially bro, Volador, man. Volador's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Volador Jr. is a man. I hope that he's in uh, Best of the Super Juniors this year. Yeah, I was... I, for some reason, I thought Teton was going to be on this card, and when I realized tonight that he wasn't, I was, like, really disappointed. I was like, man. Yeah, I love Teton. Like, we got Volador, we got Dragon Lee, like, we're, and Mystico, we're not getting Teton. It kind of sucks. Yeah, I wonder what the deal was there. Who won this match? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, the baby faces won. Atlantis, where, yeah. Yeah, so um, at one point, majority of the heels were on the outside. Uh, Volador, Mystico, and Drone, they all do uh, simultaneous dives while Atlantis... Suicida planchas. Yeah, and then Atlantis, he got um, Puma in a submission. Yeah, I don't know what he calls it, but I've seen him use it. Uh, it's like... a. Uh, it's like the Argentine backbreaker, sort of. Right. But it's his finisher, and I mean, usually in Mexico when he gets guys in it, they sell it like it's death, and they tap almost immediately. I mean, yeah, the, the tap was very immediate. Yeah. He, he was up in the hole for, like, not very long, a few seconds, and, the, and they called it. It might be also a situation where maybe he can't keep guys in it for too long anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they might have to tap that fast, like, just out of necessity at this point. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, like, usually in Mexico, if Atlantis gets you in that in that hold, it, you're done, basically. Uh, the His finishing move is called the Atlantida. It's the spinning backbreaker rack. So, that's, like, that's his finisher, yeah. Gotcha. So, that was good. Yeah. And then uh, up next, we had the CMLL middleweight title match the champion Angel de Oro against Cuatero um, this was another very good match it was good good uh, it, it wasn't like even up I didn't think it was quite up to the same level actually yeah it was stuff. well this match it was kind of slow in the beginning to be yeah. honest and uh, they were working over I think Cuatero was working over Angel de Oro's knee and then at one point in the match, he just totally forgot that his knee was hurt and started flipping and flopping all over the place. And then towards the end of the match, he started selling the knee again. Yeah, so, the, the, yeah, you're exactly right. It was funny how, like, he didn't sell the knee. Like, at first, it was like he got killed on the knee, and then he didn't sell the knee at all. And then just at the very, very end of the match... All of a sudden, they started selling the knee again. Like, and I was like, what? Where did that come from? Right. <laughs> uh, but the crazy thing here was Angel de Oro came in as the world champion, uh, and he lost the title to Quatrero, um, which <laughs> most people didn't expect. Like, a lot of titles don't change on these uh, Fantastic Mania shows. And, you know, quite frankly, these titles don't get defended that often. So... You don't see a lot of title changes when it, you know, when it comes to, especially when they're abroad. So it was quite like it was, from what I understand, an upset. 
and it was kind of surprising to see Quattro go over. Right. And um, something, <clears throat> the title change here also helped um, add some drama to the last two matches, which were also title matches. So the crowd was like, oh, we saw a title change. You know, maybe we'll see two more title changes hands. Yeah. I mean, this was um, something else that I... You know, that I thought was interesting is if you've ever watched these Fantastic Mania shows, you're probably used to the first two nights being a lot of multi-man matches and then the final night being the, the main. And usually there's like one singles main event each night. But on the final night, you usually get like three title matches or three big matches that are all singles that they've kind of built to over the course of the tour. Whereas on this night, this was the first of three title matches that we got, which is very, very different. Um from the way they generally do things. So that's been, I think, and you pointed out early, uh, when we were talking about it, Jeremy, you were talking about the tag tournament. That's right. They're doing the Brothers Tag Tournament on the last two nights of this tour. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned earlier, we'll be covering that in next week's episode. And on a side note, it's very interesting that the middleweight title changed hands on a single fall match because in Mexico they generally almost always do two out of three false matches. Um, so, I mean, especially for a title match. Well, I wonder if this could be used to set up the rematch where uh, Angel de Oro can be like, hey man, you didn't beat me the traditional way. I want my rematch. Yeah, I was telling Jeremy like in, in Mexico, if they have a singles match, they call it like a dash match. And to them, like, that's a gimmick. <laughs> right. That's crazy to think. Like, over here in the States, two out of three is a gimmick for us. Yeah. So, like, over there, they're like, oh, we're getting a singles match? One fall! <laughs> like, they love it. Yeah, they have a reason to chant one fall over there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uno. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this match ended up uh, Quartero. He ended up hitting his finish. It was a spinning, like, crucifix powerbomb thing. I think the first time, I don't think he spun the first time, but he, it was like the, uh, what did, what did uh, Conan used to call it when he did that in, in back in the day? The, the mountain plunge or something uh, like the that. The splash mountain. Splash mountain. That's what it was. That's, it was basically the splash mountain. It was awesome. But the way he did it was, like, devastating looking. Yeah. Um, kind of remind me of, like, the way Fallet throws dudes like they're dead. For the, uh, the bad luck fall. Yeah, man. But, yeah, that, that match was uh, – the, the tail end of it was very, very good. Yeah, it picked up towards the end. And then the surprise, like, victory. The other funny thing, too, is we were like, Quattro, what does that mean? Like, four? <laughs> like, <laughs> I looked it up, and we noticed he had uh, uh, horseshoes on, you know, on his gear. And then you look it up, and it's like a horse thief or, like, a horse wrangler. But, like, the colloquial term is someone who's not to be trusted. I was like, oh, so his name means heel. <laughs> so we got heel, and then the other guy's name is Angel, and he's wearing gold. So it's like, okay, we got heel versus face. <laughs> right, very very basic old school wrestling. The heel wears black. The baby face wears bright colors. Yeah. So that was a good match, though. And I mean, that was a very, very surprising. Then uh, after the match, I you could be right. They could be leading to a rematch down the road because uh, Angel de Oro uh, grabbed the belt from him and he handed it to him. So there's like almost like a mutual respect. And he, he looked at the belt like longingly and kissed it real quick and then handed it back and right. got out of there. So. Uh, you know, hats off to those guys, and that was pretty cool. So we got a title change in this first night, and then uh, we go to the semi-main event and the main event, which were freaking awesome. Yeah, so we have the Mexican welterweight title match. The champion, uh, Sobrano Jr., uh, went against the challenger, Sanson. 
Yeah, apparently this was like the CMLL feud of 2017. Apparently, uh, both of these guys like were breakout stars essentially this past year, from what I understand. And they like there was they do a lot of tournaments in Mexico, especially like this year they did more than they generally do. And there were several times throughout the year where these two guys met in the finals of various tournaments throughout the year. So you know they both have picked up like titles. And they, this was kind of like somewhat of a blow off, or maybe it's a continuation. I don't really know. But yeah, it was a very good match. I mean, this was a lot. There was a lot of innovative spots in this match. A lot of high flying. This match was insane. Yeah. I mean, it was really insane. The uh, the different dives and, like, to the outside. Like, this was the first time when we were watching a match where I was like, okay, they're really – business is really picking up right here. Yeah, there was a great spot where uh, Sobonero, he super kicked Sanson to the floor and he hit a, a corkscrew tope. That was awesome. Though he, he hit the uh, corkscrew tope, like, three or four times in the match. Like, yeah. And every time he did it, I was just blown away every single time. Like, I don't know why. I was like, it, it's like poetry in motion. It's amazing. The, like, how how many, like, revolutions that guy gets and how much yeah. air he gets. Um, that w- this was a match that was just, like, big move after big move after big move. And they just kept going for, uh, f- like, pinfall after pinfall. So they're really selling, like, the desperation. Yeah. Sobernero did a lot of dive in this match. Yeah, earlier in the match, he did, like, a Fosbury flop at one point. What's a Fosbury flop? <laughs> um, it's the move where they... So they jump over the rope and do like a twisting dive. It's what Neville, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. what Neville does all the time. Oh, that is who does it all the time. We were wondering earlier, like who does that that yeah. we see? It. It's Neville. Neville yeah. does it. Yeah, that that move is awesome. There's quite a few. What's funny is there's quite a few guys who actually did that on this card, and it's something like in America or in like Japan. If you have like a signature spot, like no one else really is allowed to do it. But like in CMLL, all these guys are—they're doing it all. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, Sanson, he caught us uh, Sobonero with a uh, super powerbomb off of the ropes for a near fall. Was this the match where you made the WWE comment, or was it the main event? Um, I can't remember, but we can talk about it now. I'll, it might have been this match, but after you know all these high spots, I was like, man, this is what two hundred five live should be like. <laughs> You have WWE did a great job hiring like some of the best high flyers in the world, <laughs> but we we get no high flyers. I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing at how ridiculous that statement is because it's so true, but never gonna happen. That it's almost ridiculous to be like, this is what 205 Live should be. Like. Right. I mean, you have a guy like Grand Metallic who's oh my God. calls himself the king of the ropes, but he has to spend the majority of his matches selling his knee and not flying. Oh, my God. <laughs> All yeah. right. But yeah. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. Like, the, you, it was something funny you said. You're like, so we got to see TJP and freaking Grand Metal League work like body part matches every week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, here on uh, Fantastic of Mania, we're seeing how a high-flying show should be done. Dude, these guys, these guys, I remember, like, growing up, bro, my idea of, like, the best high-flying match I ever seen was, like, Pillman versus Liger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still that match is still incredible, so I'm not knocking it whatsoever. But like seeing what those guys were doing in '92 compared to what like these guys are doing right now, it's a whole different level of high flying. Like 
my god i was like dude how do these how do these uh, freaking lucha libre guys work like this i mean so many dives to the outside and so many big like big spots it's crazy yeah um so for the finish of the match uh sobonero caught uh sanson with a sit out pile driver that looked pretty nasty oh yeah yeah yeah. it was like a it was like a spinning like he caught him in midair while they're spinning right and then just dropped him. I mean, that, people should stop doing that spot, by the way. That's a dangerous move. Yeah. But uh, Sabanero Jr. retains the title. Sabanero. Yes. Sorry, uh, my, my Spanish <laughs> is not it's not all that great. Uh, uh, mine's uh, not either, but I can walk into, like, any, like, little bodega and, like, order food at least. I, I know what the, I know hey, what the food you, is. You got the blood, though. You got, you got the Spanish blood in you. Um... But yeah. yeah. Yeah, but fun fact, I failed Spanish 2 twice in high school, back to back. Like, I had suck at foreign languages. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, hopefully both these guys are back for Best of the Super Juniors also. You know, fun fact, while we were doing research, because and actually, I knew this from a while back, but I forgot about it. I've had this obsession with trying to f- just figure out what's the world title in CMLL? <laughs> well, and here's the thing. For me, like... I had no idea like what the, the title scene looked like in CMLL. You didn't know they had this many belts, did you? No. Then you, soon we started doing research before we watched this, and you were telling me about all these historic and NWA and middle middleweight, welterweight, light heavyweight, heavyweight world champion. I'm like, yeah. So let's just like take. Like, I thought WWE had too many belts. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, it's crazy. So then, like, so originally CMLL was like the designated. I mean, they're the old promotion in you know Mexico and so at one point they were the NWA's designated like you know they remember the NWA and the NWA world champion would actually go there just like he would go to all Japan and you know Puerto Rico and all that but as part of the partnership they were granted NWA titles because they were one of the only NWA members that actually had weight classes so they had the NWA light heavyweight title the NWA middleweight title, the NWA welterweight, NWA lightweight, all that. So they, the NWA titles were their belts for a long time. And then eventually they, they broke off from the NWA. And actually the company was at EMLL originally. And then their governing body is CMLL. Technically they are EMLL, just like New Japan is New Japan. And CMLL is like the IWGP. Yeah, it's the governing body. But over time, it kind of everyone just started calling it CMLL because I don't know, it it, it was too similar and too close, and it was right. easier. It, and they they kind of go back and forth about which one they are. Sometimes they re- reference themselves as EMLL, and sometimes CMLL. Anyways, in the '90s, they broke off. I believe it's the '90s. I could be wrong, but they broke off and formed their own world titles. But then they kept the NWA belts. But the NWA stopped recognizing those belts. So for years, they had the NWA belts for these different weight classes and then their own world titles. But going even further back, they had Mexican national champions who these were belts that were like recognized historically all throughout Mexico when Lucha Libre was more like regional and there was other promotions and stuff. And they were defended, you know, everywhere. But over time, those Mexican national titles, at one point they were exclusive to AAA, but then they, and actually I think one of them still are, but the majority of them are now in CMLL and they're just defended there. So you've got the end, you had the NWA titles and then the world titles and then the Mexican national titles. But then 
uh, back in 2006, Blue Demon Jr. started NWA Lucha Libre and forced them to give all the NWA belts back. So then they're like, all right, well, we're just going to replace them with these new belts called the NWA World Historic Titles. And so they're like supposed to be the same lineage, but they're really not. And they don't look like any- so it's really confusing because they got like three or four. And then the other they've had other secondary titles and then they got trios and tag titles and you know they got like six weight classes yeah so it's just completely it's like boxing yeah it's completely overwhelming to try and keep up with all the titles and champions and then none of them are actually important like literally for instance like this belt the the one that uh soberano holds the mexican welterweight championship in theory it is one of the most it's first off most people don't realize it's the oldest active world title still around today it's from like the 30s basically and it's still going and it it is like extremely important like almost every major star in lucha libre has held it like going back to gory guerrero and you know uh el santo and then like Rey mysterio and conan and like all you know paraguayo and all these different guys el dandy like <laughs> they all held it and then um but now like and it still is important but like you know I don't know. The world titles, the titles don't mean as much because in Mexico, it's all about when when a blood feud is really boiling and what draws people and what people turn out to see is hair versus hair, mask versus mask, or mask versus hair, like a bet match, uh, Lucha de Espotas. That's what it's all about. And it's kind of weird to me because I'm all about world titles. you know. I'm right. About, yeah. We're all about, t- yeah. I I'm mean, about the lineage. You want to get the belt and beat everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like AAA used to kind of be like this, but they just were like, you know what? Screw this. We're going to unify some of these belts and have a mega championship. And they've had that for a while and it works out for them. Yeah. And like in CMLL, if you're the world champion, you're like a geek. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was pretty interesting. So then we continue on to our main event. Yes. The uh, CMLL light heavyweight title match. The defending champion Niebla Roja against Gran Guerrero. Nice, man. You said that really well. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I need to redeem myself. <laughs> so, yeah. So these two guys have also feuded uh, in the past year. And like you said on the previous show, they headlined the anniversary show, which uh, at the time they were both seen as like mid-card guys. And so people found it as to be like an underwhelming uh, main event, but it actually ended up being fan- a fantastic match and elevated both guys. And this is the first time that I believe that they've actually like fought over a title. So, um, you know, Niebla Roja lost his mask, I think this past September to Grand Guerrero. So this is kind of a chance for him to, is he going to, to in defending his belt, is he gonna lose something again to the same guy who already right. took his mask and identity? Or is he gonna, you know, defend his honor and his pride here in, you know, in Japan? So this match um, started a little slow, but well, I mean, it kind of wasn't completely slow. You it wasn't have, slow. Um, you know, Roja. It he, wasn't like Inhale de, Ro- de Oro versus Quatrero. Yeah. Um, you know, Roja. He goes for a flip dive, and Guerrero catches him and power bombs him on the floor. That was a very that was crazy when he caught him. That's when I was like, "Oh, things are." That was like first off, really dangerous, and second off, like awesome. And then we forgot to mention uh, 
Ultimo Guerrero and Gran Guerrero are out here like Harlem Heat raising the roof, <laughs> getting the whole uh, Corrigan Hall fans to raise the roof. Yo, that dance, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's gotten that over in... Uh in you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of like public enemy back in like ECW yeah. like everyone uh, yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah so uh, yeah Guerrero was out here getting everybody raising the roof this you know these were like spot fests I guess essentially like these top two matches yeah but really good ones <laughs> and uh, something I loved about this match um, they hit big moves and they would go for covers immediately. So you had big move cover, big move cover, big move cover. It gave it a fight feeling. These guys were really trying to win. I like that sometimes better than the big move in WWE or, you know, in a lot of North American promotions and then the long sell and then the cover, the like crawl over to cover and then the kick out. I'm like, well... Instead, they're just going for the cover, and then they have to sell the fact that, like, God, it didn't work. And I mean, yeah, I'm not saying we don't get that in America, but like, this was hectic. It was like right. a break- it was like fast paced, like bam, big move, go for the cover. All right, kicked out. Let me try something else. Oh, he reversed. Yeah, it. I got hit with a big move. Oh, I got to kick out. Yeah, and they were just going back and forth, back and forth. Like, this was a very fast-paced match. It was very similar. Like, when we got done watching, I was like, what was better, the Soberano and Sanson match or the Roja Guerrero match? And Jerry's like, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, yeah, they were both uh, very good matches. Um, Essentially, like, another thing here, too, is... This was another, you know, world title match because it's for the CMLL Light Heavyweight Championship. And now one thing to keep in mind from the way it's been explained to me is that the the most important title is whoever the biggest star is and which one he's holding at that time. So it is kind of a situation where, you know, the the title doesn't make guys in in Mexico. The the guy makes the belt. But that being said, most people recognize this as being like the premier belt in uh, in CMLL. So that it's kind of interesting that they're headlining the first night with this. And these guys were just really treating it like it was this major prize, the way that they were trying right. to put each other away. They were risking, risking it all in this match. Well, you know what? Guerrero didn't take his shirt off. I feel like that might have been his undoing. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't take it as seriously. I don't know. He didn't take it seriously. Like he didn't take his shirt off. Yeah, he was pulling Naito. Uh, uh, Jeremy thought he was trying to get his merch over. Yeah, I mean that's that's why you wear your shirt in the match. <laughs> get get the merch over, brother. Let them know uh, what 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 they can buy and where to buy it. Oh my god. Um, this so, this match was really really good. I now I'm like now that I've seen it I'm like I've got to see the anniversary show match because I heard it was very very good and this match was really awesome and I mean the the crazy thing that kept happening that was different about this match than any other match was how many times they went to the top turnbuckle and did stuff that I've never actually seen guys right do. yeah so towards the end of the match. Um, Guerrero got uh, or Roja uh, gets up with Guerrero and hits like a Michinohu driver kind of thing off the ropes for a near fall. Uh, excuse me, that was Guerrero that did that. Yeah, uh, Guerrero hit Roja with that. I guess they call it the Grand Guerrero Special. He did it off the top rope for a near fall. Then uh, Guerrero went back up top, but then Roja reversed and did a double chicken wing slam off the ropes. I liked the part where uh, Roja like jumped up on the ropes like he was going to do a Frankensteiner and Guerrero caught him 
and stalled and lifted him up like he's gonna powerbomb him and then still got uh, freaking when, Frank, like Hurricane Rana anyways. Right. That was really cool. What was the thing that he did where it looked oh. like he was gonna pile or uh, it looked like he was gonna tombstone him? Uh, yeah, Roja, he set Guerrero up on the top and he was um, going to. Uh, Bro, it was scary. I don't know what Roja was going for, but it ended up where Guerrero lawn darted Roja off the top, like a jumping lawn dart. I don't even know if I'd call, yeah, I guess it is a lawn dart, like just into the middle of the ring, but he had him in the, like in the tombstone position from the top rope. And I was like, oh my God, like. Yeah, we thought he was gonna do a tombstone from the top. I mean, deep down in my heart, I probably should have known he wasn't, but at the same time, the way it looked, it was like, God, he's about to do you it. You never know. And then he lifted him up and it was like, what is he doing? And then he just threw Lawn darted him, it was, yeah. It was really cool. Um, but yeah, this match was. How did it, how did this match end? So the finish was the uh, double chicken wing slam, off the top. Oh yeah, so you were mentioning that Michinoku driver. That Michinoku driver, the super Michinoku driver off the top, should have been that finish. Yeah, that was. That should have been the end. Like yeah, fr- the the fact that Roja kicked out of it. Like I'm buying into the kayfabe of it. Like this guy's superhuman, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know how he survived that. Like he's amazing. <laughs> He was, and then he followed up, hit that double chicken wing slam, and got the pinfall over Gran Guerrero. The only criticism I have about this match was when Soberano and Sanson finished, like ended, it felt very satisfying. Like that made sense. This is the end. This one did was still very good, but I was like, when it was finishing, I was like, oh, they should keep going. Like they're on track <laughs> to have like a historic match here. And then it just ended, and it was like 16 minutes. I'm like, dude, they could have gone another four, five, six minutes, yeah. and I would have loved it. Yeah. Um, that's my only complaint is this should have gone a little bit longer because it was very good. And I, for me, I actually, I'm really torn on it, but I think I prefer. I don't even want to say prefer, but like for me, the match tonight's probably the main event just because the main event style and they were doing some really crazy stuff. Yeah. I don't know. What would you say? Yeah, I think I'm leaning towards the main event, but I mean, both of those title matches are both they're about very equal. good. Yeah, they're about equal. This uh, is one of the best like top uh, two matches. I mean, um, Kamatachi versus Dragon Lee, you know, two years ago was a, a near match of the year contender, and like four, and, it got four and three quarters. So it's not like these are the best matches I've ever seen at Fantastic Mania. But this might be the, one of the strongest top halves of a, a Fantastic Mania card I've ever seen put together. And it's kind of interesting because there was n- almost no New Japan guys tonight. Yeah. I mean, who, who was there? Uh, Kojima. The LIJ guys. Kojima and LIJ. And Kawato. And Kawato. That was it. And that was, they were all in the same match. Yeah. Every sing- All the other matches were straight CML. straight CMLL guys. They're letting these dudes rest up for a new beginning, I guess. Yeah, I mean, because they have two new beginning shows this month. Then there's the road to new beginnings in February and a new beginning in Osaka. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. What was your thoughts overall just on the card? Overall, I thought it was a solid card from top to bottom. A lot of great action. Um, I was very satisfied with the end of the show. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, you're a... Lucha like or a Lucha novice or anything. Obviously, we both have seen Lucha Libre a lot, but I mean, this was probably like one of the first like full Lucha like shows that you've sat through. Like, what were your impressions? I mean, um, like our brother Rich, I can be a mark for flips and dives, 
And so I definitely enjoyed seeing all the innovative offense and all the dives and flips are very cool. Um, and it makes me more curious to find out uh, more about a lot of these guys and maybe who knows maybe I'll start watching some Arena Mexico oh my god (laughs) (laughs) hey listen this this was great, but wait till you watch an Arena Mexico show. There's some weird crap See, that no one can explain. That when you're watching it, you're like, "Why are they doing this?" Yeah, like, I might pull a Meltzer and just watch uh, watch Arena Mexico every Friday night. Yeah, this is one of the best fan- Fantastic Mania cards I've seen like for a single night. Um, I am bummed out that we're not getting to see the Tanahashi and Okada interactions in that six man they had earlier on the tour because. Uh, Rich freaking made me think that we, that was on one of these live cards. So I was all stoked about it. And then when I realized it's not getting aired, I'm like, God, like I want to see the ace and the ace go at it again. Yeah, like, you think they would air, they would have had um, Okada and Tanahashi on one of these three shows that are going to be aired. Yeah. So, I mean, um, we already did, like, we ran down the cards, you know, for these next two nights. And we're going to do some more coverage on them. But a couple things just... Uh, taking a look forward after the first night. Um, let's see here. So obviously we have the uh, the tag tournament that we talked about that's coming up. Um, the main event, though, for Sunday night is going to be Volador Jr. versus Barbero Cavernario. And after the multi-man match, Barbero Cavernario came out and cut a promo on Volador Jr. and said he's going to be the new NWA World Historic Champion. Um, from what after, I wasn't aware of this, but after doing like research, apparently like two of the best matches of the entire year in Mexico and in Lucha occurred between these guys last year. Uh, it, specifically, I heard the match in June was supposed to be amazing. So that makes like those are two guys that I love. And I said before this whole when we reviewed it the first time that this is the match I was most looking forward to. But now like my anticipation for it has gone from like here to like. So like here. Same here. I'm very excited for that match. Also, Dragon Lee Mystico versus Quattrero and Sanson is going to be really good. Like, after seeing, like, all the crap that those dudes did tonight, like, I mean, dude, Quattrero and Sanson, that's an awesome team. Yeah. Dude. I didn't really realize that they're brothers, but now I'm like, oh, man, that, like, that's going to be a freaking flippy fest right there. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know, we've got the other stuff. I mean, they're, they're, they're still building up um, the LIJ versus Kojima and Atlantis and Kuato. We're going to get Kushida Sunday night. Uh, Taguchi's going to be in action. Show and yo. So, I mean, we're getting... It's some more New Japan guys. Exactly. But I think, you know, that Volador Jr. and Barbaro Cavernario match is going to probably be... Be like, the match of the night. It might be match of the entire... Tour. tour yeah yeah i mean hopefully i mean i don't know dragon lee and barbaro cavernero let me down a little bit last year they had a perfectly fine match but it wasn't blow away but i'm hoping because i like volador jr a lot that 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 one's really really good and then even um on hell de oro and niebla roja against the guerreros should also be very good yeah so now that we've seen these guys in action you've seen de oro and roja and the Guerreros and then Dragon Lee Mystico, Quatron Sanson. What's like what are you what are you seeing like projecting how that tournament's gonna go? What's your like 
what are you excited about, you know, between those two matches? Um, oh, I'm definitely excited about the Voldor Jr. title match on Sunday with uh, Barbario. Um, Barbaro. De- Barbaro. Excuse <laughs> me. Work on my Spanish, guys. Um, I think the uh, Guerrero brothers, I can see them being in the finals of this uh, tournament. Um, and I think... Um, that probably makes the most sense. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing what all these guys are doing. I mean, um, we saw Drone and Star Jr. Um, in that eight-man, and I think them against Disturbio and Puma should be an interesting matchup. Yeah, those are all guys lower down on the cards from what I understand. So them getting to work a bigger show like this and being in the opening match, I assume they're going to work probably really, really hard to stand out on this you know, show. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we're going to get Akamura showing yo against Fuego and Saburano. That's probably going to be awesome too. And then, uh, Dragon Lee and Mystico. Um, I, I think, yeah, they'll end up facing the Guerreros. Look, you, you mentioned that prediction also. Yeah. I mean, that was my prediction, but it's not anything like crazy. I mean, I just, out of the two face teams, like Niebla, Rohan, Angel, De Oro, I don't see them headlining the final night over Dragon Lee and Mystico. I mean, it's Dragon Lee and Mystico. Those are two big names. Well, I mean, it's not the original Mystico, but I mean, everybody knows the gimmick of Mystico. Dragon Lee's very well established in New Japan, and then everyone in Japan knows the, the Guerreros. I mean, that final makes more sense to me. And then I could see, because they're going to have a... Uh, the losers bracket, you know, go against each other. Yeah. On Hell De Oro and Niebla Roja against Quartero and Sanson is probably makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense, yeah. And I think Dragon Lee, Mystico, and the Guerreros probably tear it up. That oh, that match yeah. is gonna be awesome. Yeah, it'll be great. And then is there anything on the last night that like well I think Kojima and Roosh, the fact that that's a singles match is very, very interesting and uh, I don't know, Roosh is awesome man. I think he's gonna beat the crap out of Kojima. <laughs> <laughs> gonna lay the new japan dad to rest oh we get liger that night and tiger mask oh and obviously it's kawato's final match in new japan before that's he right he goes on excursion to cmll him and atlantis i'm kind of like that's uh, well him him atlantis against gato and barbaro cavernario hmm. Sure, that will probably be like a special moment, but I don't know how good of a match this. Yes, yeah, that's well, that's in the middle of the car too. So that's yeah, you're kind of like your break match right there. Yo, look at this: Bushi, Takahashi, and Naito against Drone, Saburano, and Volador. Oh my gosh, dude, that <laughs> match is gonna be insane. <laughs> so yeah, and then um, you know, Jer- we haven't seen Taguchi yet, but Taguchi usually does this like Egyptian god. Pyramid. He's called. He calls himself Pyramid Taguchi, and he wears a mask like he's a luchador, but he only covers his eyes. And then, like when people try to pull his mask, he does the gimmick like he's getting his mask ripped. But well, here's only- my thing: Are we gonna see that, or are we gonna see masked horse? We're not seeing masked horse ever again. <laughs> horse was it? Horse mask? No, it was mask. Well, the English trans. It was a masked horse. Oh, I don't know, Dude. but yeah. So we're looking forward to this. This first night was really good, and hopefully the next two nights are just as good. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. Really, really good card. Yeah, same here. And um, we'd like to hear what you guys thought about the show. If you watched it, because we don't think many of you will. Well, if you if you didn't watch it, I highly recommend you do go watch it and then tweet us at KI Strong Style and let us know what you thought about this show. And now we're going to jump into the news section of our show. 
Um, first thing I want to talk about is the sellout of the new beginning in Osaka. You know, on that card, you have Okada defending the title against Sonata, Goto defending the Never title against Evil, and Will Ospreay defending the junior title against Takahashi. That sold out the Eden Arena four weeks in advance. That's probably about uh, 5,200 tickets sold. Um, and so they have been selling out the Eden Arena regularly with Okada defending. This was considered pretty much a lock. And um, they sold out the prior four shows in that arena. Yeah. But four weeks in advance would be a record for the modern era. Yeah, they said it's like the fastest that they've sold it out. I mean, it top to bottom, that's... We've talked about it before, but it's an incredible-looking card, especially on one of these smaller-type, you know, New Japan shows. It's not like Dominion or something like that, you know? So, Okada against uh, Sonata, I mean, that match is going to be awesome. And then you're getting Evil and Goto, and then you're getting Hiromu and Osprey. I mean, those are the three main, like, top matches. Plus, I think we're getting the tag match uh, between Shonyo and the Bucks on that same card, right? Uh, no, I believe that's on New Beginning in Sapporo, Night 2. Gotcha. Oh, but we are getting Yoshihashi against Naito that same night. Right. And, yeah, you're right. But still, I mean, those top four matches, I mean, that's the most star-studded, you know, card of the entire tour. Plus, we're going to get to see Yuji Nagata uh, break Kitamura's arm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not surprised that it sold out, but it is it is like a kind of a big deal that it sold out so soon. So, I mean, that's very newsworthy, and it just shows you how, like, coming out of was Wrestle Kingdom and the, the incredible 2017 that New Japan had, how they're just riding this wave of momentum right now, essentially, yeah. you know? yeah. So, I mean, that's awesome. And then, uh, you know, Bill Goldberg, um, he is going to be going into the WWE Hall of Fame. But the real big news about Goldberg is that he was in talks with New Japan for a short-term deal. And this was, you know, picked up in The Observer and uh, Sports Illustrated. Yeah, so I woke up. um, When did this break? Was it yesterday? Um, I think it was, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, so, I mean, I wake up early in the morning. I've told you guys before that... Uh, Might have been Wednesday, actually. Could have been. Yeah, you know what? You're probably right. But I wake up early in the morning trying to, like, scour the internet for, like, you know, the new, like, New Japan... Or, like, yeah, like, New Japan-related, like, news for you guys. And then I saw this, like, little snippet in Sport... I didn't even see it on Observer. I saw it in Sports Illustrated... And they were like, yeah, uh, Bill Goldberg was in talks with New Japan before he signed with WWE to do the Hall of Fame. And I was like, what? <laughs> Dude, yeah. When I read that, I was, mine was blown. I, I was just like, what would he do there? <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. Let's Since we're on the subject, like... What do you think this entailed? What do you think was talked about? I mean, obviously we're speculating here, but this is kind of like some fun, like fantasy, like. Right. Well, obviously sort of. he saw the success that Jericho had, and he probably heard about how much money Jericho made, and so he wanted to come in and do the big shows. 
Um, Apparently, that's what it was going to be for. It's just yeah. like big show. I don't know if it's to wrestle or big show appearances, but yeah, like yeah. The big shows. I mean, if as far as match wise, I mean, personally, I would like him to go against somebody like Ishii and have like a five minute what, strong style killed? match. And get murdered by Ishii? Yeah. My God, like this this is a this guy's a father, bro. <laughs> he has a family. <laughs> well, you know, they used to say, you know, WCW's where the big boy play. Nah, New Japan's where the big boys play. Nah, they're not playing, bro. <laughs> Especially Ishii. That dude's not playing. Let's if you wanna book Bill Goldberg and match, put him in with Toriano. <laughs> That's what you do there. Like oh, protect right. this man, make him look good. <laughs> Yoshihashi. Uh, no, oh my God. You know what's crazy is like uh, I've never watched any of these matches, but Bill Goldberg had five matches in Japan over the years uh, with Japanese promotions, not like you know touring with WWF or something like that. But he in two thousand two and in two thousand three he did tours with All Japan. Um, none. The only match that lasted longer than six minutes. <laughs> Was in 2003, him and uh, Kiji Muto, they um, teamed against Chronic, Brian Adams, and Brian Clark. I'm sure. Wow. I'm sure that was like a five star classic. <laughs> they went. They went 18 minutes. Can you oh, imagine that? Oh my gosh! In 2003, can you imagine that match? No, I can't. But remember when those guys came to WWF and had that match with uh, Undertaker and like Kane? Yes. Oh my! And it was like voted like match. It was one of the worst matches in history. Yeah. So I'm sure this was just gold. He also wrestled. I'm Rick- sure uh, Goldberg carried the load in that match, right? Goldberg <laughs> Goldberg squashed Kojima in four minutes, bro. Dude. In 2002. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and he, this was all in all Japan, and then he also beat Taiyo Kei in three minutes, 56 minutes, 356 seconds, and then he also wrestled Rick Steiner. And then during, a lot of people don't know this, but during his WWE run in 2004. Uh, he actually went to Japan and wrestled on at the Sayatama Super Center or Super Arena for Hustle One, which was Hustle was like Hustle was like a Japanese WWE centric type of wrestling. Gotcha. It was so more more entertainment. It based. was sports entertainment based, and it was had wacky storylines, but it was like Japan, so it was weird stuff. But yeah, he went over there and wrestled for them, and he wrestled. Uh, Noya Ogawa, who I think is a former, like, gold medalist, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look more into that. I think okay. Ogawa is, like, yeah, I think Ogawa is, like, a former, like, Judica. But anyways, yeah, they wrestled in Wrestle 1. I also heard a rumor he was supposed to go over there. I don't know if he was supposed to wrestle McFoley. I think he was supposed to wrestle McFoley in, in Hustle. Or maybe it was that he backed out and then McFoley re- replaced him, but... Uh, McFoley definitely had a match in like 2004 that a lot of people know about in Hustle against uh, Kawada from, oh, I, from All Japan. I didn't know that. Yeah, and Kawada like kicks. <laughs> this is like this is like right around the time after like he wrestled Orton. Yeah, like around that same time, but it, gotcha. he didn't put on an Orton performance. <laughs> he didn't put on what was that backlash? I believe so. Yeah, uh, match is awesome. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, um, Goldberg coming to New Japan. The thing that I'm like. Obviously, guys, we know it's not happening. He signed a deal with WWE for the Hall of Fame. For the Hall of Fame, and uh, typically that entails like a long term ish like deal with other like appearances and exclusivity stuff like that. But my fear is that, uh, and this sounds crazy, but 
I'm not saying he would be like the IWGP champion, but I'm scared that they would make him the IWGP champion. Look, he would be the one to beat Okada's streak. I don't know, man. Look what they did with Brock in 2006. All right. Big jacked up Gaijin comes in there and just. I mean, I know that, like, Inoki was in the company back then. It's, it's a different time, but still, bro, like, it's Bill Goldberg and he's coming from WWF and he was just their world champion. I don't know, man. I, I feel like they would put him over. Oh, man. That's the last thing I want to think about. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, I guess in a way this is kind of like a blessing in disguise that he's not coming here. Um, but that's really interesting. I mean, New Japan yeah. thought it might be worth it to, like, pay this dude to come right. wrestle for well, That just makes you think, like, who else is going to try and reach out to New Japan? And try and get a payday. Neville, Neville, Neville. Neville. <laughs> yes, hopefully somebody like Neville that can Please. provide a great matchup. Brian, Brian. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes. Oh my god, yo! Can you imagine a bunch of Japanese people chanting that? Oh my gosh, it'd be awesome. They'd be like, but they'd be clapping their hands. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Be awesome. Oh man. So um, last week on the show we mentioned the Australia tour. Um, there are no exact numbers out yet, but the New Japan for, the, for like the pre-purchases. Yeah, but the new but what we're hearing is the New Japan office is very. Uh, they were pleasantly surprised with the advances for the Australia tour, and then this week they um, officially added Kenny Omega, uh, Switchblade, Jay White, uh, Toa Hanare. And pretty much one day after the announcement of Kenny Omega being on the tour, uh, one more than one of the locations was close to being sold out. Man's hot. The man can always be hot. That's right. <laughs> bro, like, that dude's a draw, bro. Yeah, you put Kenny Omega on any show and you're guaranteed a sellout. Yeah, bro, like, he's a draw. I don't know. You think Supercar Myers can sell out? Um, I think can. I mean, especially if they end up announcing Omega versus Cody. Or Ibushi. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> We're going to be there. I'm excited. I know. It's going to yeah, be awesome. So that's exciting, you know, that they're really, like, they're loading this tour up. Like, we already talked about all the different guys that are going to be on it. Uh, they're bringing their whole A-team. It's not like they're just sending, like, a, a small contingent of, like, B-list guys and a couple, like... Headliners like they're all there. Like, if correct me if I'm mistaken, Naito's going, Tanahashi and Okada's uh, going. Naito's not going to be on the Australia tour because no. he's going to be he's going to be in the U.S. doing his uh, the tour that we talked about. That's right, right. right. But everybody else, all the other they part. got Okada, they got Omega, they got Tanahashi, right. and pretty much everybody. So it's going to be a great tour. I wonder if they're going to air any of that. On, like, New Japan World or anything. I hope so. I mean, they aired that uh, one match with Okada and Slex. So <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that they would air this. Oh, man. Um, and then, you know, I believe it was last week's show, the show before, we touched on um, Kota Ibushi being banned from Budokan Hall. And that's where the G1 finals are going to be held. Right. And um, bringing this back up, because there's a little bit more details on it. Um, Tell us what Uncle Dave said. Yeah, so <laughs> Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer um, asked around about the ban still being in effect. And he was told that it should all be worked out. Oh, 
Yeah. So, I didn't. I did not know that. Yeah. But uh, he says for for some reason, if it can't be, then he probably wouldn't be able to do the G one this year. That would suck. That would really like that pisses me. Just the thought of like not having Ibushi in. Oh my god, that would suck. Yeah. All and, right. And I mean, we've talked about this before. Like Ibushi, um, he's never really been in like the final, like the finals or like the final four uh, of, of, of the G one. I think he did. Oh yeah. I think he was in the finals against uh, Nakamura. Okay. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, or that might have been the semifinals. But I mean, he's never really been pushed as a top top guy because of the whole contract situation. So he probably wouldn't. Well, this year, you know, he's been being pushed more recently. But so it'd be interesting, even if he would be considered to be in the finals. I mean, I would. Uh I don't know. I don't know if he... It's really... G1 is one of those things where everybody thinks they can... Uh, <laughs> everyone thinks that they can um, predict it. You know what I mean? And I'm one of the guys who's like, you know what? I might be able to predict who's going to win it. But being able to predict like who's going to be like in the finals, it's so hard to do. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Or like to... I Actually, what I just said doesn't make sense. Picking a winner and projecting a winner—that's one thing. But projecting like how the tournament's gonna play, play out, out, yeah, it's that's... like it's like trying to like predict like the the end, like the Sweet Sixteen or like the Final Four, like right. um, having like your whole bracket be right and all that. It's really, 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 really hard, you know. Yeah, I also um, have the exact date of that Abushi match from Budokan Hall with Kenny Omega. It was actually on my birthday, August eighteenth, twenty twelve. The show had ten thousand one hundred and twenty-four fans. Yeah, that so that match is supposed to be incredible. Yeah, so look that up, guys. August eighteenth, DDT show from two uh, two thousand twelve. Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega. The match where Ibushi gets banned from Budokan Hall from doing the moonsault from uh, the balcony. Okay, and, I was wrong. You know what? The Nakamura and Ibushi match. Did happen in the G1 climax at, uh, at G1 23, but it was on like the fourth day. I just remember the first time I saw that match, thinking that like it's so good, bro. Believe it. Or it I know you've seen their Wrestle Kingdom match, of course we all have, and it it's a classic. This one's a classic too. And I remember watching it, I and thinking it was a finals, <laughs> but it's only day four. Uh, that match is awesome. But yeah, so you, you're probably right. I guess Ibushi never has actually gone to the finals of a of a G1. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how if he's gonna be able to be in, in it this year, and uh, how far he goes. It's actually really interesting, um, you know, that you bring him up. This is something that that SES Scoops was reporting about the other day regarding Kotobushi. Um, this past weekend, he worked shows for uh, Ricky Chaushu's proud proud. Produce Power Hall 2018, and he actually like worked the shows with 102 degree fever. Wow. Yeah, and so they were. They, he wrestled at uh, Cork and Hall. He teamed with uh, Gota Ahashi and Ricky Chaushu, which why Ricky Chaushu still working in 2018? <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Um, but they defeated uh, Daisuke Sakamoto, who I think we're gonna see him at. 
at Wrestle or yeah at WrestleMania, which I'm excited about. Oh, and, nice. Uh, Taka Mishinoku <clears throat> and Tatsumi Fujinami, another guy. Why is Fujinami wrestling in 2018? Dude. And um, they're actually going to air that show on Samurai TV in Japan, but yeah, like uh, they were talking about like. You know, Abushi had a 102 degree fever, and this dude was still doing golden triangles, and uh, he did the sit, sit out last ride. Like, kind of crazy. Yeah, that <laughs> is really crazy. And they said he probably had the flu. Like, so they're like, yeah, it's probably good that a lot of those wrestling fans <laughs> are wearing those masks. Masks, yeah. But oh, yeah, that's man. like, the, yeah, that dude's crazy. Remember last year when he uh, lit those fireworks off on his chest? Do you see that video? Yes, I did. What was that about? Dude, I, there are so many Ibushi videos <laughs> that come up that I ask myself, what was that about? <laughs> Yo, Rich, what's up with your boy, bro? <laughs> Can you just tell us, bro? We love him, but we just want to understand him. We're not judging. We just want to know. Oh, my God. What yeah. other news you got, man? Um, I got the uh, Access TV schedule. So um, this past Friday on January 19th, they aired... The uh, Never Gauntlet, um, the final match of the Never Gauntlet, plus highlights of the other matches. They showed the tag title match with uh, Killer Elite Squad against Li or yeah Lij Sonata and Evil, and Suzuki and Goto, uh, hair versus hair. Then Kota Ibushi, Co- Cody versus Kota Ibushi and Tanahashi versus Jay White will air on January twenty sixth. Omega and Jericho will air on February 2nd. Okada and Naito will air on February 9th. And then the key angles from New Year's Dash will air on February 16th. I keep telling myself that I'm going to watch these Access shows. But after watching Wrestle Kingdom twice, I'm like, do I have it in me to sit through and watch these shows? You know, Josh, I'm in the same boat. I'm like, <laughs> they're, they're all recorded on my DVR. I'm like, I should probably watch these Access shows. But, but you're not watching it to watch it because you already enjoyed it twice. Twice, yeah. You're just watching it to hear someone else different talk at this point and right. maybe see. The only thing that, that – the one thing I will say it's really nice is I wish New Japan – I mean, we all have wish lists. I wish New Japan World would get like actual HD or you know high def quality because it's coming in – I think it's like 720 right now. Yeah. And, you know, WWE comes through, like, crystal freaking clear. That's the one thing. When you get to watch New Japan on uh, Access and it's, like, you know, high, high def, like, on my 4K TV, it's, like, it's better, actually. But then, you know, you don't get to hear Cyrus, so. <laughs> All right. So that, that's your Access TV schedule for you guys that watch it on Access. Young boy, did you have any other news? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a couple um, different things to talk about here. Obviously, um, some of the big news that's coming out this past week, uh, Ricochet and War Machine. So, you know, Ricochet is a former IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. He's a former Best of Super Juniors, uh, you know, tournament winner. And War Machine being also two-time IWGP Champion and well-known throughout the indies. These guys are indie darlings internationally big part of New Japan. Uh, they're both officially gone. We knew they were leaving, but it is now confirmed they are at the NXT. They, they arrived at the Performance Center for WWE this past week. So um, whether they go to NXT or to 
the main roster, no one's really sure, but it's confirmed they are part of the universe. <laughs> so that's like that's official, which um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Um, on one hand, I'm very excited for those guys. I mean, WWE, regardless of what we think about the product all the time, they are the pinnacle of the industry, and everybody's goal is to get there. So I'm happy that they're able to achieve that goal and be able to make more money. But on the other hand, I am very worried about how they are going to be booked and used in their WWE tenure. I'm terrified. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, on the one hand, War Machine's War Machine and Ricochet's Ricochet. And these guys are so talented that if they are in NXT, I'm like... Yo, NXT's, hey. NXT's about to be lit for like six months. Here's the thing. You know? I'm not worried if they're in NXT. Yeah. I'm worried what happens when they're on the main roster. I don't know. I just, there's a part of me that where I was like, I never actually feasibly ever thought that like Prince Devitt would not get over in any roster. And after seeing what's happening right now, and you know, wrestling fans can be melodramatic. We see it all the time where guys who are top stars go through lulls, especially in a new environment. But. I don't feel like I'm being melodramatic when I say like I, I, I think that things have sucked for Balor since he's been on the main roster almost aside from his initial push, yeah. and I'm like, what are they doing with this guy? He's money, like you know, he's a top star, and they're kind of like wasting him, which sucks. So it does make me nerve after, and then seeing how Nakamura has been handled, and then like some of the other news coming out, I'm like, is Nakamura even gonna be on the WrestleMania card? I know that sounds crazy, but like, and where will he be? Right now, it's like. It it's almost starting to look like he's going to be on the freaking, you know, Andre the Battle, Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Exactly, bro. I'm like, please, yo, Nakamura, please come back to Japan. Yo, when he comes back to Japan, it's going to be incredible. Like, that might be the only reason he actually went to WWE is just to get hot, so that he can like cool off, take some time. And he, then, he's on, he's on his secret second excursion. This is his secret excursion. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking, since we're talking about WWE so much, there was some there was a funny moment tonight where we were sitting there and uh, there was a there was a match and a bunch of the young boys were standing around them and I was like, Jeremy, you ever secretly just want the young boys to rise up and just attack all these fools? <laughs> you said like Nexus. Yeah, like the Nexus. I was like, I want them to like rise up like Planet of the Apes, <laughs> just freaking like yeah. no, like Caesar yeah. is home. Like oh my god. So anyways, yeah, so that's um, some of the news coming out. Ricochet and War Machine are, we will not be seeing them anytime soon gra- gracing the uh, Japanese ring or the Japanese squared circle. They're gone off onto uh, more lucrative pastures. Yeah. <laughs> um, aside from that, let me see here. There was, well, this weekend is a pretty jam-packed show. Or jam-packed weekend when it comes to um, wrestling, just in general. Obviously, the Fantastic Mania uh, shows are going on. Caleb Baldwin just uh, messed me. He said, sup, dog. Sup, Caleb. (laughs) 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 Love that guy. Anyways, um, but uh, this Friday, which is – oh, that's tonight. Wow. Okay, so the Great Muda is in action uh, out in California for PCW Ultra. He's going to be tag teaming. And we talked about this before. We're going to get uh, probably like an update and report on, you know, 
how this match goes. But this is pretty cool because Muda hasn't wrestled in North America for a while. But he's teaming with Pentagon. I think they're going up against Phoenix and John Hennigan. Okay. I, I believe so. Um, also, uh, Pete Dunne and Will Ospreay wrestled in IPW this past uh, week. Yeah, we talked about that, that that match was happening last week. But apparently it, they had a double count out. Which we should have probably predicted because almost every like champion versus champion match from the 80s like ended the same way. So it's kind of a, a callback to all those great like, you know, Harley Race versus Superstar or like... You know, uh, Ric Flair versus Rick Martel, like all those great like world title versus champion versus champion matches. Yeah, we really haven't seen like much reports about the match, star ratings, gifts, videos. Dude, I've been looking. I mean, I see stuff on like Instagram where fans are posting photos with them and their belts, but like, and people are saying it was a great match. But this is starting to feel like the last battle of Atlanta. Like, <laughs> like. It's going to be years before we see this thing. Like, I want to see Pete Dunne and Will Ospreay wrestle. Like, what the heck? <laughs> right. Which, which promotion? This was IPW? IPW, yeah. Dude, IPW should have sold this match to the WWE Network and New Japan World. The crazy thing is that there's... Uh, yeah, sell it to both of them. Yeah. Yeah, and get it on both networks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then you, and then dub over the... Like, have each commentary team like dub over the commentary for it. He's like... I, yeah, they're, uh, they're on that FNAM. <laughs> Finesse, yeah. What does he say? Uh, he's like, he's like, I, he's like, I've con- uh, combined the art of finessing and scamming. Finam. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, we're gonna take, you know, once we get some more word on that, that's gonna, uh, we'll let you guys know what we think about it. Hopefully, we get a chance to see Dunn and Osprey. Also, um, Rev Pro Hive Stakes taking place on the twentieth. I believe that's tomorrow night. And uh, members of LIJ, like Sonata and Evil, are going to be on that show. But the big match is another WWE versus New Japan match where we got Zack Sabre Jr. and the new freshly bald-headed shaved Minoru Suzuki, who's like entering into his final form, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, taking on... (laughs) Taking on freaking uh, Mustache Mountain uh, of WWE fame. So that's another, like, yeah, yeah I want to see that. Yeah. So all that's going on this weekend while Fantastic Mania is going on. And the UFC and boxing and, you know, our friend Ben Schaefer is wrestling his first match this weekend. What up to Ben? Yeah, shout out. Um, but, yeah, so that's, the, that's all happening this weekend. Um, the only last two things I thought were worth kind of mentioning was... Uh, just an update on the All In show. So we talked about, you know, that it's been announced. We we have the date. We don't know the specific location, and we've had some discussion on it. But this week, um, aside from the people that were already like known that were going to be part of it, like Cody and Omega and the Bucks and Adam Page, um, I don't know if this was reported last week, but I know for sure Stephen Amell. Yes, Stephen Amell. From what? He's on Arrow? Uh, Yeah, Arrow on CW. And he uh, showed up at a Ring of Honor show and was... So, is he he wrestling now? I have no idea. I... like I, he, he wrestled that match in WWE and right he did something in a Ring of Honor show and he did had, he wrestle he has a Vigilante Club shirt and he's a part of the Bullet Club. Um, that I hate that because he was going against Cody and now they're friends. Like where's guys? Please keep kayfabe. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, nah, yeah. So he's con- confirmed and then uh, very interesting. Tessa Blanchard. 
one of the like foremost women on the indies right now. And a girlfriend of Ricochet. Yeah, and Rick Ricochet's girlfriend and uh, love of my life. I love you. <laughs> Tessa, if you're out there, baby. No, actually. Man, Ricochet lives in Orlando, man. I'm not, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to shoot with Ricochet, man. Oh my god. For for Tessa, I'd risk it all. <laughs> Oh, but uh, that's that's the quote of the night. <laughs> she has been uh, <laughs> she's been confirmed for this is supposed to be like a serious like journalistic like news. Uh, just so you guys know, it's one a.m. <laughs> it's one o'clock right now. Yeah. My God, oh, uh, freaking a. Anyway, so Tessa Blanchard has I've already said it like five times. She's gonna be on the show, and we'll let you give you guys more updates. And then the final thing here is uh, speaking of finessing, let's talk Jericho. Yeah, so we were watching Monday Night Raw, and they're doing the, you know... Whoa, 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 whoa. You were watching yeah, Monday Night Raw. Yeah, young boy doesn't, <laughs> doesn't watch that crap. I was watching Monday Night Raw, and, uh, you know, they're showing all the Raw 25 commercials, and they're showing all these, you know, legends that they're bringing back. Next thing you know, they're like, Chris Jericho. And I was like, what? <laughs> Jericho is going to be on Raw 25? I liked when they were like, the alpha... They didn't, they didn't say that. <laughs> they were like, recent semi-main event <laughs> competitor over in New Japan Pro Wrestling, the alpha, Chris Jericho. No. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that's wild. Uh, Jericho's getting that McMahon money and that Japan money. But is he going to be there? Because I, I did listen to Observer and they said that I guess he is expected to be there. And I guess this deal's been – not an actual deal, but, like, the conversation, you know, had been discussed for a while that he's going to be on this show. But nothing's signed on paper. Exactly. So I'm like, what's going on right now? Like, um, one thing that, that's also interesting with this is earlier today someone uh, tweeted Jericho and they said something along the lines of, you know, um, how many people do you think bought tickets because of you or how many people do you think uh, downloaded – you know, sign up for subscriptions to New Japan World because of you. And he's like, I know I'm one of them. And Jericho just responded and he said $1.5 million worth. And I was like, what? Did Jericho just tell everybody, like, how much money he made for that match? Or for this, like, is that how much he's making for the whole agreement? Like, no, I think that was for that match. I mean, we don't really know, but yeah. that's crazy. Like, this dude's out here, like, stunting on people. He's like, yeah, like... He's like, he's like Fat Joe in the Make It Rain video right now. Just throwing <laughs> the cash everywhere. I want Jericho to show up to Raw in an Alpha Club t-shirt. He's not going to do that. I don't care. I want him to. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder like how he's going to get used on... You uh, think they're going to bury him? No, I'm guessing he's going to put somebody on the list. Like It'll be some backstage segment with a bunch of legends, and you'll have your Farouk being like, damn, and then you know Jericho will walk up and be like, you know what happens? You know what happens? Huh? Huh? You? You just made the list. And then, you know, everybody pops, and then we cut the commercial. And Listen, we... man, if he does that, I'm going to just sit back and drink it in, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. But, yeah, I mean, that is something that is – it doesn't sound that consequential, but you got to think, like, who else in the world can go from being a headliner at WrestleMania and a top – like star in WWF or I'm sorry WWE and then make a surprise appearance in in New, New Japan. Japan 
you know, headline their biggest show of the year with like one of the one of their rivals, and then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, show up on Monday Night Raw while he still has a working deal. He's going to be working dates for their competitor. Like, who else could get away with that? I can't. I don't know anybody else. I, that could I, get away with I don't this. think anybody else can. Like Jericho is just on a whole another level than everybody else. And Yo, our friends over on One Nation Radio, they got the Finesse of the Year Award, the Jeff Jarrett Finesse of the Year Award. This this dude's about to win Finesse yeah, of the Year, man. Yeah, definitely. He's making money on both ends. But um, that covers all the news. I mean, pretty. Uh, I thought this was going to be like a slower show, but after that awesome show that we just watched, and hey, then... hey we're still an hour shorter than la- the last two shows. Really? Yeah, we're we're at hour thirty three right now. Yo, but we did it. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you, James Boyd. <laughs> listen, James, you listen to the show on like one and a half speed anyways. It's not like you're actually sitting there through a two hour show. Yeah. And for those of you guys that are like listening, we want you guys to listen. But, you know, we are on the Podbean app. You should download the app and it gives you the ability to listen to these podcasts on a faster setting. It's kind of convenient. Just saying. <laughs> right. So, yeah, however you want to enjoy the podcast, that's up to you. We're on Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Tune in radio, soon to be on Spotify. Also, you can also find all archives of the podcast on socialsuplex.com. That's our home base. You can also find columns and news and articles up there from all of us. I'm planning on getting some writing done again. I've been uh, slacking off the last few months, but I'm planning on uh, hopping back in the writing game. So check out socialsuplex.com. You can follow our show on Twitter at KI Strong Style. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. You can always join us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group to join us for a discussion on all um, aspects of professional wrestling. And I think that's about it. Uh, eventually, we'll get uh, Josh on Twitter so he can start. Uh, I'm on there. But you don't. But you're not active, and you don't plug it. So I don't use it. I don't really care about sharing my thoughts with the world <laughs> like that. Like I don't know, man. To me, it's like you know, all these people that take selfies all the time. I'm just not a selfie person. Yeah. I'm not a tweet person. Like I don't care about sharing. I don't want to share, bro. You gotta spread your knowledge to the world, man. I do on this podcast. <laughs> I know, but in tweets too. I take people under the learning tree. <laughs> That's right, you, you do, you do. That's why I want to call you uh, when you graduate from being a young boy, Doctor Puro. Oh my God, I'm gonna be a young boy the rest of my life. <laughs> Speaking of young boy, I got my young boy, boy shirt. This yeah, week. you did. Yeah, I got the the uh, for the you listeners out there. I got the red and white New Japan Lion Mark baseball tee, the one that like Kushida wears, and all those young boys around ringside, and I, I love it. Living, only, living the gimmick. Only thing that's weird. And I feel a little bit duped. I ordered this off Pro Wrestling Tea at ProWrestlingTees.com, and they do great work, and I got a great deal on it. But when the shirt came through, it, the print is right, but it has a Champions Sports logo, like you know the champ, Champions brand. Yeah. Like was, are those shirts made by Champions? I feel like they just bought shirts from Champions and then just printed. Print yeah. Well, my I'm wearing a uh, Rainmaker shirt right now, and it has like the Gillian or whatever that brand is t-shirt yo they're out here finessing <laughs> pro wrestling tees finessing people bro oh, oh man man and, and like i noticed that like the the cut of the sleeves even though the shirt looks great it doesn't fit and look the way that it does online yeah 
So I'm like, I'm a little bit like, you, y'all out here for namming people. Yeah. Keep your eyes on those guys. My God. Stay, but, uh, stay woke, listeners. Thank you for listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Thank you for downloading us. And one last thing, guys. Since we're talking about wrestling t-shirts, again, rate us, leave us a review, and get entered into that prize. Some of you guys are probably listening and you don't think we're actually going to like buy you a shirt or that you can't win. There's still time for you to win a free shirt. We will right. buy you a shirt. That's right. Deadline is January 31st. Guys, me and me and Jeremy are killing it at our jobs and we got we're flush with cash. We want to buy you guys a shirt. Yeah. And uh also uh, check out all the other shows on the network. We have One Nation Radio, One Nation Live, the SMC Wrestling Podcast, and the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. All great shows. So s- subscribe to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. And until next time, goodbye and good night. Bang! Bang.